We're here today with uh, Professor Sudesh Kumar from Warwick Medical School. Professor Kumar has been looking at the diet and lifestyle of South Asian communities in Leamington and devising a program for uh, improving uh, diets um, with local restaurateurs. Um, Professor Kumar, I mean, if, uh, you just want to sort of introduce yourself and uh, explain a little bit about the research. Yes, I'm Sudesh Kumar. I'm Professor of Medicine at Un- Warwick Medical School and uh, consultant physician at University Hospital of Coventry and Warwickshire. I have a particular interest in doing research on trying to find new ways of trying to prevent uh, diabetes. The, the work that you've done is concentrated on the South Asian community. Um, I was wondering, could, could you sort of explain a little bit about um, the causes of diabetes that you've been looking at, particular types of diabetes, and also why is it particularly prevalent among those communities? Uh, our popular perception, diabetes is not one disease. There are many, many different types of diseases. But today what's happened is by far the most common form of diabetes is the one that's related to overweight or obesity. And that's in fact become a global problem and uh, it's the underlying cause for the excess risk of a number of diseases and not just diabetes, cardiovascular disease, cancer, arthritis, uh, chest problems like obstructive sleep apnea, uh, an important cause of road traffic accidents and so on. Uh, so if we can tackle obesity, then we will reduce the risk for all these diseases. So is it an issue of is is it an issue purely about obesity, or are there other kind of genetic things that are going on within those communities? You're absolutely right. I think although we are all at risk of getting overweight, uh, there are some individuals who are at greater uh, risk of getting obese and mm-hmm. also getting more complications due to obesity. Now, that difference between individuals must be related to genetic factors. Um, and these are the kind, kind of issues that we look at when we do research in this area. So you've been looking particularly at the, at the, kind of the, the cooking within uh, South Asian communities. What is it particularly about Indian cooking that's that, that's particularly related to issues around obesity. Yeah. Me, you did raise the question of uh, South Asians, and let me just explain why yeah. we want to look at that. Uh, f- from all our work thus far, we know that South Asian patients uh, are at higher risk of getting diabetes, maybe about four to six times greater risk. Uh, the risk of a South Asian person dying due to heart disease is approximately 50% higher, even if you are just for age and so on. And um, so it looks like it is an important cause of the health inequality which we are seeing between uh, different ethnic groups. And there are two reasons for us. First, as you pointed out, uh, lifestyle is different. You know, it could be something to do with the diet or the fact that perhaps South Asian people do less exercise and so on. Alternatively, it could be intrinsic factors, things to do with genetics or uh, some uh, some particular biological feature. Mm. Now, both of them require further investigation. But I think we have also reached a time when we've already got a lot of information from research that's been done, just e- enough for us to know that this is obesity is a problem for South Asians and it causes more health problems you know, in South Asians and therefore we should start to do something about it. And uh, that is in fact the thinking behind starting uh, projects locally and uh, uh, you have pointed out the example of uh, the apni sehat which stand, which means mm. i believe our health uh, in uh, in the punjabi community of lemington spa but there are also other projects we warwick medical school does in 
partnership with many NHS organizations and also uh, communities around us, including in, in Coventry, this is a schools project we are involved with and so on. And the idea is to try and, uh, and help communities adopt healthier lifestyle. Is that healthier lifestyle really based around encouraging exercise, looking at diet, looking at those kind of those elements that that impact um, on obesity? Are those the focus? Absolutely. Conceptually, it's all very straightforward. We all know we should eat less fat, less sugar, less salt. Uh, but it's actually translating all this into practice that becomes difficult. Mm. And uh, and this means having to work with uh, several uh, different organisations in the community. First of all, people themselves need to want to have to change their lifestyle, and consumer com- consumers can drive demand for goods in local supermarkets and so on. And uh, that's some, one of the things we are beginning to see in uh, Leamington Spa. It's really exciting to see that they can make a difference mm-hmm. in how uh, people in the local shops start stocking more healthier food and so on. And indeed, on restaurants, beginning to provide more healthier menus. Uh, this is how we begin to drive change, you know, bit by bit. Mm. And is it is there a particular element in sort of Indian cooking that's that that leads to that that has a a greater impact in terms of obesity? Is there like high fat content or? Yes, high fat content for sure and fried. But then uh, that's something which is probably true of most. <laughs> and uh, but also the uh, the use of ghee, which is clarified butter. Mm. Uh, this is again something which can be changed. And um, for people to begin to realize that it's something uh, they can change and without a major change in the in the type of food they eat. Uh, because most people have this vision of boiled cabbage when it comes to healthy uh, diets, and that's not the case. You can eat the same things you're eating, but uh, cooked in a different way. And is it, so it is just about how you cook something. Yes. So rather than using ghee, you use olive oil or veg- yes, vegetables. Yeah, vegetables. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there a point, though, that in in many respects the healthier lifestyle the healthier eating is more expensive and is a socially exclusive um, way of cooking as opposed to something that's perhaps a little bit cheaper but not necessarily as good for you are we talking are we kind of yes, getting into an area where we're excluding certain parts of the population yes, that, that is obviously a concern that we need but part of uh, what we are trying to do is to tell people actually it does not have to be expensive you mm. can actually uh, by choosing foods that are fresh and cooking it yourself you, you you do not necessarily have to spend more money on it and once again i come back to the issue of consumer demand as demand for these types of food increase you know it will drive prices down as well uh, ultimately food manufacturers want to uh, you know make you know food available uh, you know and as inexpensive as possible so as to get the best market mm. And we, we've begun to see that even with organizations like McDonald's, for instance, they are, I believe, today the biggest uh, purchases of uh, of fresh apples, uh, and that's happened purely through changes in demand. Yeah. Do you think there are? I mean, the 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 approach with the 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 communities in Coventry and Leamington has been sort of quite focused on quite close knit communities, and you're sort of saying that there's been a, a real impact in that. Yes. Do you think there are lessons here for other community groups within the UK in terms of tackling? some of the issues around obesity and diabetes. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's in fact our aspiration. That is, having started work to do this work with local communities, we would very much want to uh, you know, spread this to other communities around the UK. Mm. And that includes people speaking other languages, other religions, and other ethnic groups as well. And I think uh, the, what we have learned here is that through good partnership working, 
mm. uh, we can get effective changes in a community. Yeah. Do you think? I mean, the, where, where we're sort of looking at obesity issues, that it is that the kind of the national initiative, the national approach to, to issues around obesity are actually ineffectual, and that we should be looking more at community-based work um, to realise sort of to realise sort of genuine change. I think this will involve partnerships. I think at the national level, I think the government has done an, a, a fairly unique, uh, you know, thing in in actually providing some leadership mm-hmm. in in raising it onto the national agenda and got people discussing it and and uh, thinking about these issues. And what we are seeing here is one approach to solving this problem. I'm sure there will be others, but uh, again through working with in partnership with other organizations and communities mm. if we start to see more of these projects uh, around the country then it begins to uh, shift our lifestyle slowly mm. because today we live in an obesogenic environment and it's only through actions like this we gradually make begin to make changes in mm. societies what are the easiest recommendations in terms of i'm, I'm at home tonight i'm cooking uh I'm rogan josh what what should i be doing in order to sort of make to make it as healthy as i can I think first thing to uh, start thinking about is that preparing your own food can be fun and it's better than, uh, more rewarding than going to your local supermarket and buying, you know, ready-made food and also more healthy. Food does not have to have lots of salt or sugar or fat to be tasty. That's what we've learned from here. Uh, most people who tasted the menu felt that uh, they were they were genuinely surprised that it could taste uh, good in spite of you know, not having uh, you know a lot of fat or salt or, or in fact I believe as uh, when we did work with one one of the restaurants they prepared starters without any salt at all and it came as a surprise to us when we were told that was the case uh, so. Experimenting with the, with cooking can actually be be fun, and I think if more people did that, you know, you'll have more people having fresh food. But it's not just about diet, is it? We've got to get people out doing more exercise. Um, I'm glad you raised that. That's that perhaps is the overriding reason why most of us are getting terribly overweight today. Um, I think we need to change the culture so that uh, we we actually make people more aware that it's very important to get more exercise in. Uh, it that doesn't mean having to run in the rain, you know, for a couple of hours every day. Um, it it means generally being more uh, active every day, doing day-to-day things. I mean, unfortunately, most of our jobs mean we may be sitting at desk, but you can compensate for that by uh, building in activity into day-to-day work. Mm. Um, and in terms of helping people actually identify that there's a problem in the first place, um, are there sort of techniques that people can use to... Um, to sort of identify, you know, find out where they are on the the fitness scale. Yes, I think assessing fitness is something which um, perhaps may be a bit more difficult, and people are, have different levels of fitness. So, the first thing I would say is a simple way is uh, you start off with a pedometer, which you can now get for uh, maybe a couple of pounds or something. And um, it's worth remembering that if you look at say communities that are generally very active, like the Amish in Pennsylvania, they found. On average, they walk about 13,000 steps a day, and hardly anyone there is obese, uh, whereas we probably, on average, walk about 3,000 steps. So the first thing to do is it, uh, it's important not to try and do too much all at one go. So the usual advice I give people is increase the, by 500 steps at a time, get used to it, and then mm-hmm. gradu- and that builds up fitness gradually. Uh, second, I think uh, you probably also alluded 
to how does someone know that they are at risk of getting uh, uh, diabetes or heart disease. One way, uh, and that means a measure of obesity in some way, uh, there used to be, a, there is a measure called body mass index, but I find it, uh, people find it difficult to get a mental picture of what those numbers mean. There's a much easier measure, which is probably even more uh, useful, and that is uh, your waist circumference. So, and that anyone can measure. And um, here, uh, I, I can tell you numbers in centimeters. If okay. <laughs> but um, if you're of uh, white Caucasian origin, then your and if your waist it measures more than ninety-four centimeters, then you need to try and reduce it. So and I was just mentally doing the maths in my head. <laughs> Where am I? Oh, let's. Uh, I think divided by two point five four. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I, I'm guessing it's probably around about thirty, uh, thirty-six or thirty-seven yeah. inches. And for a woman, it should be eighty centimeters. Uh, if it's more than eighty centimeters, then you are at risk of getting tr- uh, in a metabolic or cardiovascular problems related to overweight. Now, this is important. For a South Asian person, the thresholds are slightly different. So for a South Asian man, uh, it should be less than 90 centimeters. And this recognizes the fact that, you know, South Asians are are at greater risk of of, uh, health risk related to overweight. Uh, For a woman, it's the same. It's still 80 centimeters. So just three numbers to remember. uh, 94 centimeters for a uh, white Caucasian man. Uh, 90 if you're South Asian male but 80 centimetres if you're uh, mm. old. So it's not just a question then of hitting the treadmill in the gym, it's just about sort of becoming more active yes. in your lifestyle and not yes. necessarily just sitting in front of the telly all day. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, so in terms of sort of research, further research into into these into these areas, where do you see the next push having to come from? I think, first of all, there are some fundamental questions that we at Warwick University are, are actually addressing, and that is asking... Why are people getting overweight? And then when people get overweight, why do some people deposit fat around the belly area? And we run a laboratory-based research program to try and answer these questions. And uh, we are constantly seeking human volunteers for these studies. <laughs> so if anyone's listening and want to, uh, uh, all we do is suck out a bit of fat cells, study those cells in, in the lab and so on. Um, because there is a reason why this happens. And if we find out why, then we can hopefully try and prevent uh, this condition uh, from progressing so that it does not then present with heart attacks and strokes and so on. Um, second, there are uh, questions about why in today's environment there seems to be a, diff- a problem with the brain trying to regulate energy expenditure uh, to energy intake because normally we should be able to, so we are not adapting to our environment very well uh, because the brain is unable to match energy expenditure to intake mm. at the moment. And again, this is a focus of a lot of research that we do here. Um, it could be something funny with the food that we're eating today, perhaps, or the way we eat it, the timings, and, and it could be there are myriad factors that could explain it. And that's why there's a lot of work being done here. Uh, then there are fairly straightforward practical questions about what kind of advice should we give people in terms of you know what foods they should eat. You know, what advice do I give someone? who is overweight, about how they can actually make practical changes to mm. how they live. Uh, th- we do need more research. And it, it's interesting what you say about the timings, when you yes, eat and yes. how you eat, because I think it's at the heart of the French paradox yes. um, that the the sort of French diet tends to be much fattier, and yet yes. the rates of obesity are much lower. Yes. Um, 
I think that again, it's been argued that partly it's genetics, but mm. but but again, it's it could be in the food they eat, the Mediterranean diet, and also activity. There are so many things. That's why we need a lot of research to mm. try and understand the role of these individual factors. Uh, the kind of fats you eat also may be relevant, and the timing. Mm. For example, if you keep eating every two hours or snacking, uh, that may have a different effect on on you know how your cholesterol goes up and so on. Mm. And uh, nowadays, there are people who also eat just one meal a day, which are which all which again we know is not good. And so uh, there is a need for a lot more uh, work on this. Mm. Professor Kumar, thank you. Thank you.